Hi, and welcome to the Defenseless Moments podcast. I'm Hunter Visser, and today I'm going to be speaking with Larry Wilson about Chapter 4 of his new book, Defenseless Moments, A Different Perspective on Serious Injuries. Chapter 4 is titled Skill vs. Luck, Reflexes and SIFs, and today we're going to be talking about some of the stories behind how Larry figured out the relationship between skill and luck, and why it's so important to work on reflexes or to get that reflex in terms of preventing an SIF. If you haven't had a chance to read the book yet, it is available on Amazon as well as online on the Paradigm Shifts website where you can read this chapter in article format. Now the article is also coming out in over 13 different safety magazines around the world and we highly recommend reading this chapter or this article before listening to the conversation because it's going to make it a lot more meaningful. If you'd like, you can click the link in the episode notes to access the book on Amazon or to read the article on the Paradigm Shifts website. So, Larry, this chapter is called Skill versus Luck, Reflexes, and SIFs. What exactly are SIFs, or as I've heard them coined, SIFs? Serious injuries and fatalities. But they're not really referring to long-term back injuries, which could also be very serious or very expensive, much more referring to serious injuries that could have easily been fatalities, in other words, acute injuries. And the last couple of chapters, we sort of talked about, you know, the self area, the importance of the self area and the three sources of unexpected events and how quite often the the worst injuries you know in the last the worst injuries not coming from the most dangerous the most dangerous things that we're doing in this chapter just looking a little bit further at you know what a lot of people think is luck or would call something a fluke accident versus looking at what actually caused the serious injury or the fatality, which was that they didn't get the benefit of the reflexes. I can remember we were doing, this is years ago, but we were doing an accident investigation uh, video training program. We were in Phoenix, Arizona. Thankfully, it wasn't in the middle of the summer, so it wasn't deathly hot. But the, the incident that we were, you know, reenacting filming had just happened recently, I think the previous month. Worker was reaching into a storage container that was sort of at the ground up to about waist height. And as he reached in to get a piece of metal, another piece of metal that was being stored in the container with a jagged edge hit him just above the safety glasses, just underneath the hard hat, and sliced his forehead, like, clean to the bone. I mean, he had like six or seven stitches. Ugh. Yeah, you know, pretty, like, it was a jagged piece of metal, pretty nasty gash. The supervisor, his name was Al, who had done the investigation, you know, the official report and everything like that, actually told me that as far as he was concerned, this was a fluke accident. Yeah. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, because the space between his safety glasses and the hard hat was like less than an inch, you know, two centimeters. The chances of something like that happening again are just, I remember him saying, just very extremely remote. Yeah. Just super slim. And I said, well, do you think 
the gentleman got the benefit of his reflexes. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, do you think he saw the piece of metal and then just jammed his head into it? He said, well, of course not. <laughs> and I said, well, no, nobody would do that. So do you think he saw the piece of metal? Do you think he got the benefit of his reflexes? And he said, no. And I said, so if he had maybe put a bit of effort into some of these safety-related habits, and I showed him some of the safety-related habits around eyes on task, you know, like have a good look at anything you're going to stick your hand into or rest your hand on, move your eyes before you move your hands, feet, body, or car, glance up before standing up to avoid banging your head. And I said, so if you looked at those three habits, and then you sort of just thought about what he was doing. Can you see how you could come up with sort of, you know, another habit, which is if you, if you need to look down when you're wearing a hard hat or another hat that might affect your peripheral vision, you know, you need to tilt the hat up to get a good look before you move. And he went from thinking that this was an unpreventable fluke accident to realizing that this was actually very preventable and, and easy, to, easy, if you will, to prevent. Like he didn't need to buy a new storage cabinet. He didn't need to do anything else per se to prevent something like this from happening again if he could get the people to put a bit of effort into some of their safety-related habits with eyes on task. And I guess what you saw here, unfortunately, was that the guy, because he didn't have his reflexes, he ended up getting stitches. Well, yeah, if you will, the, the no reflex equals stitches. I mean, not every time, obviously, but you could almost think of it sort of like that, right? That the no reflex equals recordable. Yeah. Because you didn't, you know, that's all it takes sometimes is just, you know, not getting a chance to duck your head, not getting a chance to put a hand out, not getting a chance to jerk the steering wheel or hit the brake. Yeah. I mean, some of those things can obviously be really serious. Yeah, absolutely. So after hearing this story, what'd you do next? Well, I sort of now had a bit of the beginning of it, right? In other words, you know, this might be part of the part of the puzzle starting to, you know, starting to come together for me, you know, your eyes and mind not on task at the same time. You didn't get the benefit of your reflexes. So again, class after class, I'm usually doing two, you know, two, two day classes a week. Um, and I'm usually working pretty much every week. So, you know, class after class, start asking people, you know, getting them to tell stories about serious injuries where, you know, they didn't have their eye and mind on task at the same time. Or if they told a story that ended up as a serious injury, asking them a few more questions to see, you know, if they had their eyes on task or mind on task at exactly that same time. Now, about the actual term defenseless moment hadn't come to me yet. Yeah. But the idea that you would be totally vulnerable at that stage of the game had. Had you seen any other examples of this sort of, maybe not no reflexes equaling stitches, but other stories or things even where you live, where you saw other people having accidents because they didn't get a, the benefit of their reflexes? Well, you would hear, you, you would hear like story, I mean, story after story, every, every class, every table group, there would be stories like this. One of them 
sort of you see the memorial every time uh, you're on the way to the airport here uh, to the city, you know, which is for me just about every week. But um, it was an RCMP officer, and there was a bit of a pullout on the highway. It's going south towards Vancouver, and there was a limo that had just parked in this pullout. Now, the RCMP had pulled over to the side there. And, and, and Larry, for those listening who aren't from Canada, RCMP, those are our police officers. Yeah, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, sorry, yes. So, the, uh, but they're, <laughs> they're not always riding horses. In this case, <laughs> he's, in, he's in a police car, and he's pulled in behind the limo in this pull-up. There's a Greyhound bus coming down the highway, you know, towards Vancouver, same direction. There's a guy coming north on the highway. He is speeding. The police gets him on the radar, puts his lights on to go get the guy. The Greyhound bus is coming around the corner, sees the police car with the lights on, assumes that the police car has just pulled the limo over, and then the police car pulls out at that exact instant right in front of the Greyhound bus. The Greyhound bus T-bones the police car, and the officer is killed instantly. So, you you just hear, I mean, so many, so many stories you would hear. I mean, obviously, the falling asleep at the wheel is the epitome of eyes not on task, mind not on task, not getting the benefit of your reflexes. Um, and that's, you know, 20 to 30% of the fatalities on the highway in almost any country. But this one, you know, just that, you know, maybe, maybe looked... You know, didn't take the one look back. We'll never know, but certainly didn't get the benefit of his reflexes. And this is something that almost every driver's done at some point, forgetting to shoulder check or not shoulder checking well enough. Just some of us, there wasn't a bus coming. Well, no, and it's it's not always, I mean, the stories weren't all, I mean, they weren't all, you know, dramatic or gruesome like that one. I remember this, uh, this one guy, his name was Brick. He worked at, uh, I think he worked at one of the nuclear power facilities, and he was he was telling this story about how a friend of his was getting married. It was the wedding was in the Bahamas. It was going to be one of these all inclusive resorts, so you know, party hardy kind of thing. And it was back when the tuxedos had the frilly shirts, and people had like disco shoes. So you know, it's going back a while, but um. He said he could not get the studs in the shirt for the tuxedo. He was struggling with it. He knew he was late. He had a couple of them in. He, he told me he said if he had a stapler, he would have probably tried that. He just, he, he, was, he was really, <laughs> so he finally gets these studs in and, you know, he doesn't even want to take the elevator. He just runs down. He's on like the fourth floor of the hotel. So he just runs down the stairs. He runs out the back. Now, the way the hotel was situated, there's like a building, then there's a pool, then there's another building. He's sort of, you know, diagonal across all of these things. He's got to get to where the band is before the bride comes out. So instead of trying to run through the pool area with his disco boots on, he runs down beside this other building and... As he's running down beside the other building, this is also, you know, just sort of the sunset wedding kind of thing, you know. So the sun is coming down, so there's a bit of shade from the building, from where he's running. There's another building sort of beside that, so it's a bit dark in there. 
and he sees one of those yellow kind of cone things that you put up typically for slips and falls. And it says, I think, cuidado or like whatever the Spanish is for caution. Yeah. And as he's running by it, he says to himself, that's probably the Spanish word for caution. They probably have the English word on like the other side. So he turns around to look and sure enough, it says caution <laughs> on the other side. His next step is right into this open septic tank. Oh, no. They had just covered it with this tarp thing, but there was nothing on top of the tarp. So he goes like right in to this septic tank over his head. Like he told me, he did get a mouthful. Ugh. I know, a headache in the nose, whatever, anyhow. And so, and, but he can't swim. Okay, so he is now bobbing. He said, thank God I had these disco boots on because if he didn't have the disco boots on, he said, I would have drowned. I mean, you talk about a terrible way to go, but he's like, just basically he can come up and just get his mouth above the surface and go, help, and then down again and then come up, help, you know, and, and yelling or all he can when he comes up, but he's also got to get a breath too, right? So finally, like, you know, he can hear as he's bobbing up and down here. And this is going on now for, he said, about like 20 minutes where he's in this thing. He can hear the band firing up, actually, when he comes up from the... He knows that this is all happening. So, finally, when he's not there, because he's one of the ushers. Yeah. So, they start looking, you know, like, send out the dog kind of thing, looking for him. And, finally, one of his friends comes around beside the building, you know, goes up to where this, his room was, his hotel room. So, I'll go back to the scene of the crime. Goes down the stairs. And then he looks at this sort of alleyway. Goes, you know, I wonder. And as he walks down there, he hears the... who. Who? So he goes over and he goes, Rick, is that you? And Rick, yeah. He goes to stick his hand out, but then he looks at all the crap in the septic tank and goes, wait a second, let's go get a rope. So he said he had to bomb there for like another five minutes while this guy no. goes to get the rope. Yeah. Anyhow, they finally pull him out to safety. And I said, oh, God, you must have been so embarrassed. You probably didn't want to tell anybody what happened. He said, oh, no, I had to tell everybody what happened because that that 20 minutes in there, that stink got right into my hands, he said. And, like, no matter how many times I showered, no matter what I did, I mean, everybody was just kind of like... So like, I had to explain sort of that, you know, I'd spent 20, 25 minutes in the septic tank, and that's why I smelled so bad. It was well, not... Uh, it was not my favorite vacation. Let alone he probably had to go to the wedding in a pair of shorts and sandals. Nobody packs two tuxedos. Nobody, nobody <laughs> packs two tuxedos, that's for sure. So, I mean, you would hear, you know, you, you would hear all the whole range of stories from, you know, the, the, the serious, the tragic ones that were obviously, you know, very unfortunate to, to some of them. I mean, I mean, maybe he didn't think that this was so funny, but the rest of us sure did. But I would hear so many of these kinds of stories and, you know, at the same time, I started thinking, you know, okay, you know, I'd, I'd done enough, I'd done enough work with enough people by this stage of the game. I mean, well over 10, 20,000, I think that I had enough personal risk pyramid data that I knew that, you know, most people were experiencing, you know, 
three to seven serious injuries, eight to 12 minor serious injuries, you know, somewhere between five to 10, what we would call typically recordable injuries on average. And yet 5,000 to 10,000 cuts, bruises, bumps, and scrapes. Now, the safety world had been looking at, you know, wrist triangles, wrist pyramids for years, you know, from Heinrich at first to, to Bird to, I think there were other ones out there. I, I've seen many different versions, a lot of different numbers. But it, all of them, what they were saying is the difference between level and level, like the difference between a minimal injury minor, the difference between a minor injury and a major, major injury and fatality. They'd have different ratios, most of them were just 10, but they would say, you know, the difference between this and this and this and this is just pure luck. Mm -hmm. And at 10 to 1, even though that was, I think, arbitrary, I don't know how much data they had for all that, but at 10 to 1, you might say it's random chance or just luck. Yeah. At 1,000 to 1, you're typically looking for an assignable cause. Mm-hmm. And since, you know, by now I had enough data now to know that, you know, it was five to 10 more, you know, serious injuries, you know, five to 10,000 cuts, bruises, bumps, and scrapes. But a lot of people would say it's probably 10,000 before I was even 16. So, you know, but at a thousand to one, you should be looking for an assignable cause. And that assignable cause is that you didn't get a reflex. Both your eyes and your mind weren't on task at exactly the same time. And that's why you end up with this, what seems like an uncommonly severe injury out of a very, very common occurrence. Mm -hmm. And that's why people tend to call them fluke accidents. But it's actually really quite understandable. You just didn't get the benefit of your reflexes. So was this kind of the point when you started pulling together the pattern of the state to air pattern um, that's now become such an integral part of Safe Start? Yeah, by now, I mean, I had the states, had the airs, certainly didn't didn't have it all together, didn't have all didn't have all the certs, but certainly had all the main components. But my wife and I were also at this stage, we you know we had kids, um, so I was also starting to watch, you know, you know the crawl to the walking to the banging themselves up. So the, you know, the skill development and realizing that you know this this whole thing is dynamic. In other words, we didn't. We didn't start out with a lot of safety knowledge or a lot of safety skills. And we get hurt a lot when we're little and we make, you know, we make a lot of rapid improvement. Well, yeah, I'm sure you're watching the Band-Aid bills go up. <laughs> yeah, well, even just the fact that it's called the family pack and you never even noticed that before <laughs> because you weren't buying a whole lot of Band-Aids when you were single, right? And then the whole, you know, well, why does it, you know, why does that progression stop? You know, why do we, why do we hit equilibrium and why do we quit, you know, if you will, you know, second guessing some of our judgments that actually didn't work out so well. So we'll be talking about that um, in the next chapter. Yeah, I was going to just stop you there, say before you spill the beans, Larry, I think we're going to wrap this one up. The next one we're going to be talking about chapter five, equilibrium, um, as Larry mentioned. So Again, if you haven't had a chance to read the book, make sure you purchase it on Amazon and we will be back with you in just over just about a month um, with another episode talking about that next chapter. So thanks so much, Larry, and thanks everybody for listening. Well, thank you. And we'll talk to you next month. Thanks again for listening to the Defenseless Moments podcast. This is the end of episode number five. Now, remember, the book is available on Amazon as well as on the Paradigm Shift website. 
We'll be back next month talking about chapter number five, equilibrium, the progression and eventual termination of safety judgment and skill development. Please like and subscribe to the Defenseless Moments podcast if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And as always, we'd love a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show. Thanks so much, and we'll see you again next time.